0: Morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Friday, June 17th. It is a somber date in Lowcountry history. Seven years ago today, gunfire erupted at the end of a Wednesday night Bible study at Mother Emanuel AME Church in downtown Charleston. In the aftermath, the church's pastor, state senator, and Reverend Clemente Pinckney, along with eight of his parishioners, were gunned down. A weekend of commemorations begins tonight. U.S. Representative Jim Clyburn and U.S. Senator Tim Scott will take part. Also of note, tomorrow marks 15 years since the deadly Sofa Superstore fire that killed nine Charleston City firefighters in West Ashley. We hope you'll take a few moments to remember those 18 souls all lost too soon. Now here's a look
1: at your weather. Good morning everyone, meteorologist Chris Holtzman here. Today is a first alert weather day. We're tracking the dangerous heat. Make sure to keep that live five weather app handy. Heat index values between 105 to 110 as we head into the afternoon and evening. That's with actual air temperatures near about 100 degrees, but the feels like temperatures you can see between about 105 to 110. Now we will be tracking on top of that the potential for some strong to severe storms. Damaging winds likely the biggest threat after about four o'clock through this evening. We'll be tracking some activity ahead of a cold front. In fact, most of our areas in a risk level of two out of five. In fact, the entire area of seeing some severe storms later today. Damaging winds, once again, and hail, the biggest threat. That's why today is a first alert weather day. We'll be sure to keep you updated.
2: You're listening to Morning, y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast, powered by the Low Countries News Leader, Live 5 News. Now, let's get to your morning headlines.
3: Another community is grieving after another deadly shooting. Police say a suspect opened fire at a church near Birmingham, Alabama, yesterday evening, killing at least two people. That happened to occur around the same time that senators negotiating a gun safety bill missed their self-imposed deadline. Amy Kiley reports now it's unclear if the Senate will be able to vote on the legislation next week.
4: A lot of people are going to be hurting. A
5: lone suspect entered a small group church meeting. And began shooting.
6: An Alabama community is grieving after a deadly shooting yesterday evening. What we need is for this community to do what it's really good at, which is coming together to take care of each other. It happened around the same time senators negotiating the text of a gun safety bill missed their self-imposed deadline. They're pausing talks for the weekend. The latest shooting may remind them of the continuing threat.
1: I've promised that once the text is done, I will put it on the floor as soon as possible.
6: Now it's unclear if the Senate will be able to vote on gun safety next week. The framework has enough Republican support to pass the Senate if lawmakers agree on the bill's details.
3: I think we're in a better place in terms of the uh, grants to states that have uh, crisis intervention programs. I think Senator Cornyn thinks what I uh, believe, which is that the American public is not going to accept nothing as an answer.
6: One sticking point is whether states have to spend red flag law funding on red flag laws. Those prevent people considered a risk from having firearms. Another involves the boyfriend loophole. It's about whether an unmarried partner can have guns if found guilty of violence against a dating partner.
1: If there's a little give on both sides, we can get it done. I'm Amy Kylie, Live 5 News. The Texas House Investigative Committee is holding a second hearing on last month's school shooting in Uvalde after first meeting last week. Now today, they're set to review evidence and hear testimony in an effort to get answers about the response to the mass shooting that left 19 kids and two teachers dead. Authorities have offered different explanations of how the gunman was able to enter the school, what police did in response, and why he was able to remain in that school for so long. Today's witness list includes the School superintendent, Rob Elementary School's principal, the school's maintenance director, and custodian. Now, the panel says it might release its preliminary findings before the full probe is complete, which might be ready by the end of the month. A man accused of shooting a person and beating another with a gun in Georgetown County is now in custody. Officials with the Georgetown County Sheriff's Office say 28-year-old Hunter Nance was taken into custody yesterday in Williamsburg County. He faces several charges including attempted murder and domestic violence. Witnesses told deputies Nance forced his way into a home on Waterford Place, shot at two victims, then used the gun to beat both victims before running away. Officials with the Orangeburg County Sheriff's Office say a person is facing charges in what they're calling a double homicide near Utahville. Orangeburg County Sheriff's investigators were called to Wesker Avenue about two people found dead in a home. The Orangeburg County coroner identified the victims as 66-year-old Jean Ann and 62-year-old Raymond Brown. Investigators say they got information that led to the victim's vehicle being located in North Charleston. A toddler believed to have been taken from that home has been reconnected with family after being located safely in Dorchester County.
3: The Berkeley County Coroner's Office has identified the person found dead following a house fire in St. Stephen yesterday. The victim was identified as 65-year-old Johnny May Cleveland. Firefighters were called to a home at Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard and Roosevelt Drive around 2.30 yesterday morning. Multiple fire departments were on scene to help fight that fire. SLED, or the state law enforcement division, has been called in to investigate the cause of the fire, which is common whenever a fire involves a fatality. The Charleston County coroner has released the name of the missing boater whose body was recovered in the Charleston Harbor. Officials say it was 73-year-old Thomas DeVell. It was Wednesday night when officials announced they recovered his body. He was first reported missing Tuesday afternoon. The searches started near the boat landing on the Wapoo Creek Cut in reference to an elderly male boater who had gone into the water and reportedly been swept away by the current. Wednesday, just after 4 p.m., search crews located his body in the Charleston Harbor right near the battery. The Charleston Police Department continues to investigate.
1: Well, today marks seven years since the Mother Emanuel AME church shooting in downtown
3: Charleston. Nine lives were taken that day. Their names, Reverend Sharonda Singleton, Ethel Lance, Susie Jackson. Reverend Depayne Middleton, Myra Thompson, Tywanza Sanders. Cynthia Graham Hurd, Reverend Daniel Simmons, and Reverend Clemente Pinckney.
1: Now to honor them and the survivors, the memorial will soon be built on the church grounds.
3: Our Lauren Quinlan joining us live. And Lauren, you spoke with the senior pastor of the church. Do you know when we can expect
4: the memorial to be finished? Michael, Reverend Eric Manning told me they're planning to break ground on the Emanuel 9 Memorial and Survivors Garden this fall. And if all goes to plan, they'll be sharing it with the community early to mid 2024. Manning says they are praying the memorial will provide a lasting memory for the Emmanuel Nine, the five survivors and the church so they will never forget what took place. It said that the memorial will be a symbol of hope and a place where people can grieve, heal and share. It will feature two fellowship benches facing each other with high backs that represent sheltering wings. A names basin of the nine lives taken will flow through the center and a cross will follow behind. Manning says he hopes this will allow people to connect in a new way. Uh, the fact that hate came in, uh, the fact that the families uh, showed an amazing grace and showed love and forgiveness and compassion. And I would hope that would then help others who may be at opposite ends of the spectrum to have a, a sensible dialogue uh, and then, of course, to find common ground. A survivor's garden will be dedicated to life and resiliency. Surrounding it will be six benches and five trees. And Manning says it will be a reminder that life continues. The plan is to break ground by the end of this year. Construction is expected to take another year. So by 2024, they hope to unfail the memorial. Some things take time and healing, of course, is one of them, but also as well as making sure we never forget. So far, $12.7 million has been raised to go toward the memorial, but they do have an overall goal of raising $20 million. For more information on the Manual 9, click on this story on Live5News.com. Reporting live in downtown Charleston, Lauren Quinlan, Live5 News.
1: All right, thank you, Lauren. Well the Charleston Memorial Stair Climb aims to pay tribute to the first responders who lost their lives on September eleventh of two thousand and one. And this year it's happening a
3: few months early, and will also honor the nine brave firefighters who died while fighting a fire at a furniture store here in West Ashley. Their names Bradford Beatty, Mike Benke, Melvin Champagne, and James Drayton, Michael French, and William Hutchison. Mark Kelsey, Louis Mulkey, and Brandon Thompson.
1: Now tomorrow Marks 15 years since the Sofa Superstore fire on Savannah Highway where those nine Charleston firefighters lost their lives. To remember them, supporters, family, and friends will
3: participate in a stair climb tomorrow. Melissa Rademacher tells us those details.
2: For Rachel and John Cole, June 18th is personal. Rachel lost her then-fiancé in the fire and John worked at the department. That's why they make it their mission to keep those memories of the men alive. Tomorrow, they will help host a 9-11-inspired stair climb to honor firefighters killed serving their communities. People will trek up and down 110 flights of stairs in the North Charleston Coliseum to mimic the height of the Twin Towers in New York City. Rachel says when the Charleston families were struggling after the fire, they got a lot of support from families in New York who understood what they were going through. Now they lean on each other to get through anniversaries and hard days. Rachel and John described the fire department as a brotherhood. I did not personally
6: understand what that meant um, before the fire. I had heard the term a lot. Um, I mean, the guys in the department all... Used it, I would hear them say it, but I didn't know what that truly meant until, unfortunately, we had the tragedy here. And um, I definitely know firsthand what it means to see the Brotherhood and to experience the love of those that loved our guys.
2: People from all over the country who know of the Charleston Nine and have their own ties to first responders are here to participate in the stair climb tomorrow. It will begin with a short memorial service. In the newsroom, Melissa Rademacher, Live 5 News. And there is still some time and some open spots to participate.
3: If you would like to tomorrow, you can register online. We have a link on live5news.com.
1: Just look under the big red box or click on the story. You can also register on the day of that event beginning at 7 a.m. Those ceremonies will kick off tomorrow at 8. Well, that same day at 7 p.m., the Charleston Fire Department will honor the lives of the nine firefighters with a remembrance ceremony. It will take place at the Charleston Nine Memorial Park off
3: of Savannah Highway.
1: South Carolina's Human Trafficking Task Force is holding its quarterly meeting this morning. On today's agenda, discussing the next steps
3: and how they strategically respond to incidents.
1: Molly McBride is joining us from the newsroom. And, Molly, you spoke with the South Carolina Human Trafficking Task Force about how they're working to combat human trafficking. Good morning. Good morning. I spoke with the
5: director of the task force, Katherine Moorhead, who says this year the task force is expected to receive its first round of funding from the General Assembly in the state budget. And she says they're excited to put their strategic response model into effect. The plan includes the development of a comprehensive data collection system that will help them keep track of what type of human trafficking is happening and in which areas of the state. In Charleston, they will continue to train law enforcement and healthcare workers and how they can best recognize trafficking victims. Training will also include providing education in schools. Moorhead says there is involvement from all angles here in the Lowcountry, from law enforcement and healthcare to the solicitor's office, children's advocacy centers, and more. They were able to provide me with their latest numbers between the beginning of January and the end of November of the last year, 236 children were victims of human trafficking in South Carolina, 56 of which were in the Low Country. When they're looking at the statistic, they tell me the most common types of trafficking were sex-related, at 93%. And when it comes to all trafficking, females were more common gender, at 87%.
6: By developing a comprehensive data collection system and onboarding staff to maintain data and research, we're going to have a much more... Much more targeted uh, understanding of what's happening in different areas of the state.
5: The budget that will allocate this funding has been approved by the Senate and the House, and the last step is for Governor McMaster to sign off on it. If approved, the task force is expected to get $1.7 million. In the newsroom, Molly McBride, Live 5 News.
1: Some South Carolina lawmakers already are preparing to possibly change state law in response to a Supreme Court ruling on abortions. That decision is expected in the coming weeks, and a draft opinion that was leaked last month indicated a majority of justices were set to overturn the landmark Roe versus Wade ruling. Now, the fetal heartbeat law, which was passed last year, bans most abortions after around six weeks. The law was blocked in courts right after it went into effect. South Carolina could be among the states looking to put even more restrictive measures in place depending on a ruling. Lawmakers are already preparing. While the General Assembly is no longer in session, for most of the rest of 2022 they have a resolution in place that allows members to be called back to Columbia. I've got a notebook it's at least three inches thick of nothing but legislation so I'm already working on it. I know the members are too and we're very excited to get to work on it. Now, state lawmakers could be called back as early as July 1st for a special session, but Senate leaders have said they wouldn't expect that to happen until late summer or even in the fall. With the summer
3: heat here, the nonprofit organization Project Cool Breeze is taking applications. The local program provides AC units and fans to seniors in need. It was started by Representative Wendell Gilliard. Right now, the organization is also asking for donations to make sure there is plenty of cool air to go around. You can call 843 226 7706. We have it listed on our website as well at livefivenews.com.
0: Singer Barry Manilow turns 79 today. Actor Marklin Baker of Perfect Strangers is 68. Actress Cammie Kotler, who played the youngest child on The Waltons, turns 57. And actor K.J. Appa is 25. Thanks again for starting your day with us. From Live 5 News, I'm Katie Kamen. I'll talk to you Monday.
2: Morning, y'all, is produced every weekday morning. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and download the Live 5 News app for your mobile device. Get the latest news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader.